Hello, and welcome to the recap by Dive Collective. Over the next few minutes, we're going to hit the highlights of the last week's reading from our reading plan. Annika and I are excited to invite you along as we read through the Bible together. You can find our reading plan at divecollective.org. It's a free download when you sign up for our newsletter. We know that some of you love the accountability of a checklist, while others thrive from the freedom to join in whenever your schedule allows. The recap is intended to meet all of those needs. So whatever category you fit into, just know we're excited to have you here with us today. Welcome back to the recap. This is the May 28th episode. I cannot believe we're almost halfway through the year. Madness. It doesn't feel like it. Deuteronomy 1. We finish up numbers and start Deuteronomy. For real this time, I feel like I don't have a lot to say because I don't read. I feel like I'm past this point. Like I read it a long time ago is what it feels like. Okay. Well, numbers is that we get into the, um, try the Manasseh. Yeah. I almost texted you. I was this close to texting you. And then I was like, well, she'll read it. Yeah. So anyway, I took a different reading from it this time. Okay. So last year we were reading Reuben, Gad, Gad, and the Half-Tribe of Manasseh. Yes, and Half-Tribe of Manasseh. And I was reading it because there's a whole lot of social justice riots and uh, race riots going on. And I was reading it kind of in terms of that and thinking, if anybody's going to, if there's going to be any progress made, it's not, we can't just let them go and fight a fight on their own. Like they, we are all together as a church. Mm -hmm. So as a church, like we're all in this together and- um, I loved the fact that in the end, Reuben and Gad and half tribe of Manasseh actually ended up leading mm-hmm. the Israelites across. And I think there, I still think that that's true. I think that if progress is going to be made for our black brothers and sisters, white brothers and sisters have to recognize the problems that are being, that they face and help make, make a way, like make room for them. What that looks like for me personally, I don't really know, but for my white brothers and sisters that are in the fight with them and kind of know their place and I'm, I'm excited for them. Like, I think it's a good thing uh, what's happening. And for like, we, uh, we actually have a member, Tracy Daly is founder of Emma's Footprints. And when all of this kind of started happening and she started recognizing in the research that she was doing that. Black babies and Black moms are the most at risk for dying during pregnancy and for um, stillbirths. Mm -hmm. She was like, there's something, there's something wrong. Something's not right. And so she, like God has actually provided a way for her to help a Black sister in the community begin her own nonprofit for providing prenatal care for these moms, the, these black moms in the community mm, to make sure cool. that they're being, yes. I mean, like, that's a perfect example of yeah. like, Tracy has, Tracy has the organization, an organization already. She already has the nonprofit. And so she's taking this woman by the hand and she's kind of leading her through like, this is, we're going to like, we're going to make a difference. You're going to make the difference because I can't make the difference. Like mm-hmm. it's going to have to be you, but I will, I'm going to lead you through you. the, yeah. I'm going to lead you across the river. Yeah. And yeah. I just think it's like, what a beautiful example of what that looks like. And not, I don't, I don't know. I don't I'm not in a place right now to do anything like that. Um, so I'm not going to worry about it because God's doing it in all the mm-hmm. places that he needs to do it. And if, and when there comes a time when it's supposed to be me, then I know he'll convict me and he'll show me yeah. and I'll, I'll be willing because of that whole thing that God took me through last year. Well, this year, as I was reading it, I was kind of like, I was thinking about it more in terms of 
And I, I almost thought I should write a devotional about this, but I was teaching Sunday school one morning at church. And one of the things that was asked of these fourth graders, fourth and fifth graders, I was actually like third, fourth and fifth grade was, what do you like about church? And this little girl, she's can't be more than 10 years old. was like, I love coming to church and seeing all of the other people that believe what I believe. Like she goes, I love that. Like I come to church and it's like, I'm not alone. Like there's a lot of people around me that all have like, believe the same thing that I do about Jesus. And I was like, Oh my gosh, bottle that up and preach it. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like it was so, so good. And I was thinking about just the, um, as I was reading this, I was thinking about how important it is to all be together and to be united and to come and um, not stay behind. And I, as the scary part of COVID is winding down and people are starting to come back to church, I wonder how many people are going to stay at home and mm. not come to church and thinking about like how much we really need. It encourages us to have mm-hmm. our brothers and sisters there. So our brothers and sisters who are staying home because they've discovered that church is just as easy with a cup of coffee on the couch, we actually need them to be there with us. And so, I don't know, I was just thinking about that in terms of that kind of unity and how Moses's direction toward Reuben Gad and the half tribe of Manasseh was like, how, why, would you really discourage your brothers and sisters this way? You know? And he was, and they were like, oh, no, we'll come. But can we, can we like set up shop here and then go and then come back? And Moses is like, yeah. fine, but do it. Make sure you do it for people that are not coming back to church. A 10 year old said it most plainly, like it is so encouraging to your brothers and sisters to see other faces and be around other people who believe the same thing. And if that's all that we're accomplishing by showing up on Sunday morning, that's a pretty big deal. Mm-hmm. A pretty big deal. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun to hear a different perspective on the same, like we were talking the other day in our meeting with Kelly about just the fact that we're doing, like, we just did this, we're reading it. We just did it, but it's fun to look and see how, I mean, God's word is alive. Like every time we come to it, even if it's not new information to us, yeah. He uses it. And that's a cool it example. It applies in two very different ways. <laughs> yeah. Well, hello there. We're so glad you're following along with us on the recap. We wanted to invite you to study Jacob with us this summer. We have been going through the book of Genesis this year, and our next eight week study is on the life of Jacob. We'll be meeting all of June and July on Tuesdays live. Or you can join the network and get all of our previous studies for free via podcast. No matter what, we're just glad that you're joining us in the Word of God. Now, let's get back to the recap. This seems like a big thought for something minor. Um, It's interesting. I'm reading my notes and trying to figure out how my note fits into what I have underlined in the Bible and like where my head was going. But in... Numbers 35, when, when God's giving instructions for the cities of refuge, he tells them to provide six cities. Three of those are going to be on the east side of the Jordan and the other three are in on the Canaan side. Mm -hmm. And so my note on the side is about how God works within our human choice Yes, and vice versa, because like God is sovereign like this. He, we are reading about this plan that he's had for his people that he's just working out. But those, so like this, the cities of refuge were part of his plan. And yet half of them end up on one side of the Jordan river where 
Gad, Reuben, and the half tribe of Manasseh chose to stay. Yeah. Chose to stay. Like this whole, just how it, that's what it made me think of was. It was their choice. That wasn't what God intended. Together. Right. God's original intention, or so it really, really seems from reading this. Yes. They were all going to cross the Jordan and settle. And then these tribes said, wait, 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 we want to stay here. And God says, okay. And then gives them some cities of refuge on that side of the Jordan. That is, that's the kind of stuff that makes my brain explode when I sit and think about how yes. we've talked about it a million times that we will never understand how our human choice works within the sovereignty of God. It's one of those things that just all of the lines don't meet up perfectly in our human. Yeah. Based on what we know about God, logic tells you that they settled for less than what God, than God's best, that God's best was across the, like that, mm-hmm. that God's intention was for them to go across the Jordan and they were going to get his best over there. But because they mm-hmm. chose to take to, that, they liked, this was good enough. This looked good to them. They chose mm-hmm. to take this side of it. We don't, I mean, God doesn't work logically God right. knew in advance that they were going to want that side of it and that he worked within it. But it, regardless of whether they took second best or they took his best, even though because they settled there, God made, God still blessed them. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't, his redemption is always full redemption. Like he doesn't just, he doesn't say, oh, well, because you didn't choose my best. Well, now I'm only going to give you second best of the rest of mm-hmm. your blessing forevermore. Like he's, he includes them wholly and fully in everything that comes, which is right. There's no negative repercussion. No. Yes. Yes. Settling. It was like God fully and completely approved of that choice that they made. Yeah. And I don't understand how. And then in Deuteronomy, we just kind of see Moses going back over everything that's happened. Yeah. I love that. And there was a Psalm, this, a Psalm that we read this week too. Well, I'll find it when we get there. And it, we see we see it multiple times where we get this like yes. roundup of, and it's the whole purpose of it is, hey Israel, do remember. you remember? Mm-hmm. Like, do you really remember what God has done for you and how He's? And I, it's really neat to read it all in a nutshell. Like, we've been reading all of this in the long story form, you know, and then we have it. Mm-hmm. Moses just kind of lays it out at the beginning of Deuteronomy and in several Psalms, it's, I think it was one of Asaph's Psalms. I don't remember. Korah. Anyway. Yes. Yeah. And I, I think we're, I mean, I'm writing in preparation for Jacob. And so there's several things in there that I'm like, yep, totally just read that this week. Yeah. Um, I loved this. Oh my goodness. In Deuteronomy chapter one, uh, verse 31 And you saw in the wilderness, how the Lord, your God carried you as a man carries his son all along the way you traveled until you reached this place. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love that. And that actually makes me think of um, Psalms. It says you dug up a vine from Egypt. You drove out the nations and planted it. You cleared a place for it. It took root and filled the land. I feel like I've never seen that before. I really love that imagery, the way that like he, like he's like a gardener tending, tending his garden, a vine dresser. It takes really special care. Like that he has like a love for his vine. It's like, mm-hmm. we feel for our pets, you know? And, and mm-hmm. like, he like took this great care for this vine. Where is that? Sorry. That's 80 verses eight through 10. Okay. 
Oh yeah, Psalm 80 was good. I liked Psalm 77 right at the very end. It says, yeah, the last verse, verse 20, hidden in the hands of Moses and Aaron, you led your people like a flock of sheep. Mm-hmm. And that was, that's a, Moses and Aaron took, I mean, yes, the people of Israel definitely had um, consequences for their sin, but Moses and Aaron carried so much weight yeah. for those people and responsibility. Mm-hmm. So that hidden in the hands of Moses and Aaron, that was a really beautiful way to say it. Yes. And I love it. I mean, but it says you led your people like a flock. Right. Like right. Did, it like, was like those Moses, were little tools. He used Moses and Aaron, but he was the one leading them the whole way. Yeah. And when you think about the way that Moses often talked to them, he was like, this is not like, this is not my doing. Right. Like Moses right. never almost, it seems like he never lost track. Yeah. Don't you really hit the rock, but yeah, yeah. like, that, like yeah. I'm not, I'm not the one doing any of this. Psalm 77 is a perfect picture of lament transitioning Mm. to remembrance. So the first 10 verses are all lament. He's um, just Mm -hmm. talking about how terrible things have gotten and he's talking to God about it. Right. So the very first verse in this message says, I yell out to my God. I yell with all my might. I yell at the top of my lungs and he listens, which is what like the the directing it at God is what makes it lament. Right. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. So like, that's a, yes, that's the difference between despair and lament. Despair is when you just, it's this hopeless, just feeling terrible without um, knowing that there's a God who will listen. Lament is when you turn your voice to God and you at least have hope in him that he's capable of doing something about it. Restoration can't happen until we go through that process of lament. And then God brings us to remembrance of all the things that he has Mm -hmm. done. Um, which is what you see happening in verse 11 through the rest of it mm-hmm. talks about all the things that God has done. And that's what bolsters our faith that if he's done these things, if he can part the red sea, if the water sees you and trembles, if the depths shake, the clouds pour down water, the storm clouds, thunder arrows flash back and forth. The sound of your thunder was in the whirlwind, which makes me think of Job mm-hmm. lightning lit up the world. The earth shook and quaked. Your way went through the sea and your path through the vast water, but your footprints were unseen. I love mm-hmm. that line. Mm-hmm. Like, nobody actually saw you, but you made it clear that it was you in all of this. And that's that remembrance bolsters our faith that if this is the case, then you will hear my prayer and you will intervene in whatever it is that I'm bringing mm-hmm in total, um, desperation. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what like God gives us reasons to trust him. Like if we take the time 11 and 12 in Psalm 77, once again, I'll go over what God has done, lay out on the table, the ancient wonders. Mm-hmm. I'll ponder all the things you've accomplished and give a long loving look at your acts. Yeah. And there's plenty like he, get, he, there's plenty for us to sit and give a long loving look at what he's done. And then, like you said, in the end, like you, it goes from remembrance to back to trust again, because yes. it gives us all those reasons. I never really noticed it before, but it makes perfect sense that chapter 77 then leads into chapter 78, which is all about lessons from Israel's past. And this That's is the all one outside that, yeah. mm-hmm. what I have circled is in verse six and seven, it says, um, um, he established a test starting at five. He established a testimony in Jacob and set up a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers to teach to their children so that a future generation children yet to be born might know 
they were to rise and tell their children so that they might put their confidence in God and not forget God's works. That faith that we're talking about that is bolstered in us remembering Mm-hmm. It's remembering and telling our children that bolsters their faith and mm-hmm. puts their confidence in him when things mm-hmm. get hard. And that's how they come to salvation, right? Is they're like, okay, mom and dad have told me that God rescues. They told me all the stories of how he's rescued. And so when they come to the point of complete and total desperation, which we hope our children's will, like, that's the hard part. Like we actually hope that our children will come to a place of desperation, right? Because that's what it takes for them to experience him coming to their rescue, but they should put their confidence in him and lament and cry toward him. Mm -hmm. If they know that he has a history of rescuing, I feel like I need to go teach my children now. I know. (laughs) Go ahead. I was just going to say right after that section that you, that you read, then is when it goes into all of the the back and forth kind of like what God does, how Israel doesn't trust and doesn't believe and rejects and complains. And it's like this whole back and forth narrative of their history. But then in verse 38, this totally reminded me of Psalm 139. It says, and God compassionate forgave the sin, didn't destroy over and over. He reigned in his anger, restrained his considerable wrath. He knew what they were made of. He knew there wasn't much to them, which makes me think Psalm 139, like he remembers that we're dust. He takes our sin from, he removes it as far as the East is from the West that he, and even like after, like, we know that there was consequences. We know that there were consequences for the Israelites for their sin. And yet he still, there's forgiveness over and over and over. What are you going to say? Well, this of 34 is actually what strikes me based on what you're saying is, is when he killed some of them, the rest began to seek him and repented and search for God. Like he's not, um, he's not a gentle God. Like he's not, I mean, he is, that's all his, he is gentle and lowly. That's Jesus is that perfect representation of God, but God does what it takes to make himself known. Like he's, what's the word of Aslan? He's not a wimp. Oh, um, Lucy says, is he safe? Mm-hmm. And the beaver says, who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. Yes. Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. And I don't know that, I think that's actually a perfect picture of that. Like he killed some of them, but the rest began to seek him and they repented right. and searched for God. And so that looks evil, right? but we trust God and we know that he knows. Yeah. So for whatever well, reason, that- it was good. Yeah. And that, that line about Aslan, is he safe? No, but he's good for those who trust him. Like for those who go to him for refuge, he is safe. Like that's, I mean, always think of the Psalms. Yeah. But when, if you are his enemy, he aren't, he is not safe. Yes. He is a refuge and a rock for those who trust him. Let's go to Isaiah. I'm not so sure that I have words at all for Isaiah. Oh, gotcha. So 29, 20, 28. I loved this in verse 21, for the Lord will rise up as he did at Mount Perizim. He will rise in wrath as at the Valley of Gibeon to do his work, his unexpected work and to perform his task, his unfamiliar task. I loved that in light of like what I was reading in gentle and lowly about God's heart that like God does not, he doesn't discipline from his heart that like, I don't know if discipline is the right word. Shoot. There's a phrase where it says he doesn't do this from his heart. 
But I love that idea that like when God pours out his wrath and when he does these things that are painful, like it's an unfamiliar task to him. Like that's not, that's not, that's not out of his, like who he is or what the core of him is, is gentle and lowly. That's what it talks about when it talks about Jesus's Hmm. heart. The only verse that talks about his heart. So anyway, in light of that, looking at this, like those words in Isaiah, where it says to, and to perform his task, his unfamiliar task that stood out as like, when you think about God and his pouring out his wrath and, um, and doing the, the discipline, like that's unusual. You see more mercy, like it's mercy mm-hmm. that he pours out time and time and time again. And when he does these things, it's, it's an unfamiliar task. I was mm-hmm. like, they kind of stand out as. those are the moments that take us by surprise. You know, we're like, Oh, I I don't know how to wrap my head around what God just did here. Mm -hmm. And it's because it's, yeah. It makes me, that makes me want to, that makes me want to trace the theme of his pleasure because Mm -hmm. when we normally, I mean, it talks about God's pleasure and being pleased Mm-hmm. And it's not in real, if I'm remembering correctly, it's never in relation to his wrath, like no. or to discipline or to like, though he does that because he loves us. Like he disciplines those he loves, but when like it's mercy and grace and yes. that's what gives him pleasure. Yeah. Think like, if that makes me want to, hmm. Yeah. If the Bible project is, it makes me think of that verse in Hosea that we talked about last year when we came to Hosea, where it says, if I were human, I would respond in wrath, Mm -hmm. but because I'm God, because I'm God, I, I'm going to pour, I pour out my mercy and kindness. Like it's yeah. 26 is all 26 feels like, um, a breath of fresh air in the midst of doom. (laughs) It's kind of what 26 felt like, I think to me. One of the things I have underlined is in verse eight-ish, maybe, we're in no hurry, God, we're content to linger in the path, signposted with your decisions. Who you are and what you've done are all we'll ever want. And it made me think about like conversations you and I have had recently about just like, just come Lord, (laughs) because this, because things seem like they're going badly. Yes. But just even in the midst of all of that, we can still see those signposts of him working, even if it's not in, even if it's like individual tiny ways. And so that's what it made me think of. There's this tension between yes, come, like we want you to come, but we're in no hurry. We're content to linger in the path signposted with your decisions. Yes. And then like, so the next line after that, who you are and what you've done or all we'll ever want. I think that goes back to Deuteronomy and the Psalms and remembering what that's done, that I think it just, it's so, that gives so much hope. Like when, when, I mean, Israel remembers what God has done over and over and over and Mm -hmm. over again. And it provides an opportunity to hope in the midst of something that seems Yeah. And the hope still being that he will do it. Like that, mm-hmm. like that release of the burden. And I love that in the, in that same chapter, it says, um, 
and 15, you have added to the nation, Lord, you have added to the nation. You were honored. You have expanded all the borders of the land, Mm -hmm. Lord. They went to you in distress. They poured out whispered prayers because your discipline, your discipline fell on them as a pregnant woman about to give birth writhes and cries out in her pains. So we were before you, Lord, we became pregnant. We arrived in pain. We gave birth to the wind. We have won no victories on earth and the earth inhabitants have not fallen. Next line. Your mm-hmm. dead will live. Their bodies will rise. Awaken seeing you who dwell in the dust. He will do it. He mm-hmm. will do it. Everything that we do, we give birth to the wind. Everything, everything that we do. It's like sun, Proverbs. Yeah, Ecclesiastes. Like every, Ecclesiastes. Yeah. All we do is meaningless, but he will do it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I loved 26. I knew, I want to go back and read it in ESV. I'm looking forward to going back to ESV next year, mm-hmm. but depend on God and keep at it. This, some of this actually sounded like a proverb to me at the beginning of 26, depend on God and keep at it because in the Lord God, you have a sure thing. Yes. Um, and then later, okay, this is interesting. This was interesting to me because we talk about, um, how we are unashamed. Like there's no shame. God doesn't shame us. Mm -hmm. And this is a translation. I think difference. I'm curious what it says in yours, but Starting probably in verse 12, well, verse 11, you hold your hand up high, God, but they don't see it. Open their eyes to what you do to see your zealous love for your people. Shame them, light a fire under them, get the attention of these enemies of yours. Mm. God, order a peaceful and whole life for us because of because everything we've done, you've done for, for us. That goes back to that whole, like, God does it all. Mm-hmm. But this, open their eyes to what you do to see your zealous love for your people. He's talking about his enemies, shame them, light a fire under them, get the attention of these enemies of yours. But the whole purpose of that yeah. is so that they'll see what he's doing so that they could know him. For his goodness. Yeah. And we're not talking right. about like his people. We're talking about people right. that don't know him. Right. Right. Exactly. I yes. clarify that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Our minds. And I actually should have told you that I switched to CSB. So oh, you did? I did this week because my ESV doesn't have any commentary. Mm-hmm. which I usually like, mm-hmm. but my, my heart's just been thirsting to kind of be like poured into, if that makes any sense. Like, I don't know why it's, I think because I've been kind of feeling dry. So every, so like, you want the commentary very rarely yeah. and the commentary, the one that I picked doesn't have very much commentary for if it comments on a verse, it's like a very short, mm-hmm. like couple of sentences, but I just really like the, I really it's very rarely that I look down, but when I do, it's really just like to kind of like jog a new thought. You know what I mean? I am cheating a little bit. I guess what I, the point is that there's no cheating when you're reading. Yeah. I don't think it's cheating. I miss, I've enjoyed the message this year because it's so, well, it is in a sense, it is commentary, (laughs) but I'm constantly wanting to know like what it actually says. Like that's the total, it's like the opposite. Like I'm getting his paraphrase and I want to know. What it actually says. Yeah. I think I could wrap up Isaiah uh, 29. I really, I loved in verse 13 and 14, it says, the Lord said, these people approached me with their speeches to honor me with their lip service, yet their hearts are far from me and human rules direct their worship of me. I don't know why I love that phrase so much. I think, I think because that's the part that like, Well, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about before. 
yeah that's culture it, influencing yeah well i mean it's the human rules direct their worship of me and it's like i mean that's what jesus is trying to deal with with them in the right. in the um gospels is he's he never speaks against god's rules that god gave them he speaks mm -hmm. for them when he speaks against the rules that they're using in worship he's talking about how they've added to them the pharisees have twisted them right or that the jewish people have added to them over time it was never god's mm -hmm. intent for things to be taken as far as they have and mm -hmm. um Anyway, it says, therefore, I will again confound these people with wonder after wonder. The wisdom of their wise will vanish and the perception of their perceptive will be hidden. That's very like, that's Jesus. That is what Jesus came to do. Mm -hmm. He came to confound the wise with wonder after wonder. Oh, I just don't know how you read the, how do you read the Bible? How do you understand the gospel without the rest of the Bible? Like the rest of the Bible, but just puts so much depth to everything that the gospels are. And you think about how, how much time when you're first becoming a Christian, you spend in that new Testament, like just mm -hmm. over and over again, you read the new Testament, but man, this old Testament stuff is like, now granted, if I didn't know the new Testament, I guess this stuff wouldn't right. be so beautiful. It wouldn't. Yep. So it I guess that is, sense, the, probably, yeah. that is the place to start, but goodness gracious, it's just beautiful to see Jesus all over, mm -hmm. all over scripture. Thanks for listening to the recap. If you enjoyed this discussion and maybe you're wondering how to get more highlights out of your own scripture reading, you might be interested in joining our in-depth Bible studies where we model our version of inductive Bible study. You can find out more at divecollective.org and we will see you next week.